you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Allow me to welcome each and every one of you to this special service today. Allow me to also especially recognize those that are here for the very first time. You are welcome. And I pray today as you listen to this service and to the sermon, may God actually do something great in your life. You know, before I came here, the Spirit of the Lord encouraged me how, how gracious and how great it is to sit in the house of the Lord and listen to the words of the King, to listen to His words, that is. It reminded me of how it took Mary to listen to a message from God for her to be pregnant. Uh, I'm not sure if you've got it that one. But it took Mary to listen to a message from the Lord for her to carry something within. And that is why the Bible says in John 6 verse 63 that my words are spirit and they are life. So every time we come under the ministry of God's word, then it's time for conception. Hallelujah. And I pray there's something new that will be birthed in your life after listening to this message. Let's just prepare our Bibles and pens, notebooks, as we get ready to listen to the Word of God. Today I'll be sharing special teaching that I've entitled The Great Necessities. The Great Necessities. And we will start by looking at our opening scripture from the book of Psalms chapter number 19 and verse 14. The Great Necessities. Psalms chapter number 19 and verse 14. All right. As it is being projected here, the Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist is making a powerful prayer unto the Lord. Is making a powerful plea unto the Lord and he says let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord now I want you to understand two things that he is bringing out in this particular scripture the first thing he's bringing out is the words of his mouth and the second thing he is making mention of is the
the meditation of his heart. However, concerning these two things, the psalmist says, let them be acceptable in your sight. This is to show you that when it comes to confession and when it comes to meditation, there has to be a place where your confession and your meditation is acceptable. There has to be a place where what you say and what you allow to meditate in your heart is acceptable. This actually means not every confession is acceptable. And number two, not every meditation is acceptable. Hallelujah. Not every confession is acceptable and not every meditation is acceptable. Yet the psalmist presents himself before the Lord and says, Let my confession, may how I confess and how I meditate be the right way, be the acceptable way. But what's so interesting and what's so very unique is that the Bible says, let my confession and my meditation be acceptable in your sight. I'm very, very intrigued and I really want to ask a question. Why should a confession be acceptable in someone's sight? Why should confession be why should confession be weighed by sight? Shouldn't you weigh my confession by your by ears? Why should my meditation be weighed by sight? Shouldn't it be weighed by my ears? This is to actually show you something very interesting about confession and also about meditation. Confession and meditation will bring something in your life called manifestation. And when there is manifestation, that can be visibly seen. That is why it is weighed in his sight. Glory to God. That is why it is weighed in his sight. Let your confession... Let your words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. But now the biggest question or the biggest thing we need to ask ourselves is what are we confessing in life? The biggest question we need to ask ourselves is what are we meditating on? Because what we meditate on and what we confess on, we will definitely see a reality will definitely see a manifestation attached to it. Hallelujah. Before I go further, the question to self is, is my confession and meditation acceptable in God's sight? Hallelujah. Today we're going to be looking not necessarily at the aspect of confession. We're going to look at the aspect of meditation. We're going to go deep and look at how meditation is really important. Now you may ask, why am I just looking at meditation? Of course, meditation is a thing of the heart and meditation eventually uh, gets 
transformed into confession. What do I mean? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth gets to speak. Alright, so your, your meditation, what you meditate on, really shapes how you confess. And so we've heard so many times, many people telling you to change your confession. But it seems like you've been struggling to change your confession. Why have you struggled to change your confession? It's because the first thing they were supposed to tell you was to change your meditation. Glory to God. And so we want to look at the first aspect that leads to confession. And that's meditation. Because if we can get our meditation right then we will get our confession right and of course we're going to yield the desired results of our lives and so with regards to meditation the bible is very clear how it encourages each and every one of us to meditate on certain specific things. I would like us to start from Philippians chapter number 4 verse 8 and let us look at how the Bible encourages us to set certain conditions of our lives. Look at this. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, what does it say? Meditate on these things. In short, the Bible, by the, when you get born again, it teaches you what to place focus on. In short, you have to set certain conditions. Have you ever wondered when you buy a certain phone, certain settings need to be set by you. You need to choose what your wallpaper is going to be. You need to choose what your font is going to be, the font size, and just different other aspects of the font. In the same way, when we get born again, the Bible asks us to set up certain conditions in our lives. And the first thing it asks us to do is to change our meditation. And for us to change our meditation, or rather to change on what we get to think on, we have to see what is acceptable. Eh, so what is acceptable? It says things that are true. So if it is not true, away. Things that are noble. If it's not noble, don't meditate on it. Things that are just, that are righteous. Things that are pure. If it's not pure, what do you do? Don't meditate on it. Why? Because meditation will shape your confession. And if your confession has been shaped, it will shape your manifestation. So some of the things that you are seeing in your life is because of what you meditate on, what you confess. Hallelujah. And that's why Satan can't have your words. But if he can change your meditation... He knows you've lost. He can't have your words. He can't, he, he can't force you to speak. He can't force you to open your mouth. 
So what does he do? He presents certain things that will change your meditation. Glory to God. So meditation is simply bringing something within your system. And whatever you bring within your system, within your spirit, you are going to bring it out. And if you bring it out, there are certain things around you that are going to change. What do I mean? Meditation is inflow. Confession is outflow. And then your manifestation is what happens around you. So if your inflow is correct, your outflow is going to be correct. And then the things flowing around you are going to be correct. And so as a child of God, there are things that we need to correct from start. The number one is meditation. Because the first thing you do before you get born again is what? You repent. That's a change of mindset. Meaning you're conditioning yourself for right meditation. That's the first thing. You repent. Your repentance is you saying, I have made my mind. I used to go this side. I am now going this side. I am placing focus. But you can't go this side while focusing this side. You can't go this side while focusing this side. That's why God had an issue with, with Israel because they were going to the promised land whilst looking towards Egypt. You can't go towards freedom when you're looking back to bondage. And so he was showing them the right way of meditating. Colossians chapter number 3 verse 2. Look at that. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It is showing you how to condition your mind. It is showing you how to properly meditate. It's saying set your mind. It doesn't mean whatever comes to you, you say no, it's, it's just come. No, no, no. Set your mind. It, it has to be a deliberate thing. This is to show you that if we are to choose what to focus on, meaning in life, there are certain things that will be made available to us. Number one, there are things of the earth that will be made available to us. And then there are things of above. All that will be made available to you. Just as the Bible says, life and death is made available. But choose one. In the same way, the Bible says, set your mind on things of above. And Philippians chapter number 4 verse 8 has shown us the things that are from above. They have to be true. They have to be pure. They have to be noble. Glory to God. And so any child of God that begins to meditate and set their things on things of the world already is having a problem with the inflow. It's having a big problem. Remember, today we're talking about the great necessities. So what really is meditation? What really is meditation? I'm going to explain it from a biblical perspective. What really is meditation? Meditation, in a simple definition, is simply to give attention and focus towards something. It's simply to give attention 
and focus towards something glory to god now quite interesting in the bible in some chapter number 1 the bible shows us how we ought to meditate and it actually shows us how meditation or rather it gives us a powerful meaning with regards to what meditation is so the word meditation according to some chapter number 1 comes from the hebrew word haga amen and amen it comes from the hebrew word haga why are we going to the hebrew language because it is where it was first written in and it is what will give us the true understanding and meaning concerning something so this word haga means quite a number of things number 1 it means to imagine number 2 it means to ponder i'm not ponder is not nyanja by the way yeah it means to ponder to think towards something it also means to study very interesting this same word haga also means to matter to matter is to speak under your voice to speak slowly like i am muttering this word haga also means to speak out all right so it's very interesting when the bible is telling us concerning meditation it's showing us that there's an aspect of thinking there's an aspect of pondering there's an aspect of studying there's an aspect of imagining and there's, there's also an aspect of muttering and there's an aspect of speaking this will then provide guidance to us that there are different levels and dimensions of meditation hallelujah remember since it is inflow when you are allowing something to enter within you the first level of meditation that you get to experience is that you begin to think towards something let me give you an example The Bible shows us that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Here is someone that listens to that word. You've listened to it, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And then you begin to think about it. Say, so, mm, "I am more than a conqueror." So whilst you are thinking about it you get to ask yourself different questions whilst you are thinking of that word you begin to wonder how is it that i am more than a conqueror so what are you doing you are meditating but on a thinking level so while you are thinking ah, i am more than a conqueror you get to discover when the bible says you are more than a conqueror A conqueror is someone that needs to win something. But then the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. So does it mean I need to win something or I have already won something? So that, that so so what's happening? Something is being is 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 happening in your mind. Then when you discover you've already won, my goodness, there's a certain boldness dwells just within your spirit because you know you've already won something and suddenly after you got from the thinking level you now go to the muttering level you now begin to speak lowly ah, i have already won i have already won i have already won 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Suddenly, while we are speak, while we are also thinking, you remember, what have I already won? Because greater is he that liveth within me than the one that is in the world. Ah, really? You have already overcome him. You are speaking under your voice. And the more revelation comes, you see, that's the goodness of revelation, because revelation is a, is, is, is a stairway case to elevation. So once revelation comes and you begin to say, oh, I've already won, I've already won, I've already won, then suddenly it clicks. Without doubt, you know it. You move from the thinking level to the muttering level, then you get to the speaking level. This speaking level is what is described as rolling you you begin to roar like a lion and so I say greater is he that lives in me than the one that hey greater is he that liveth in me than the one that is in the world this mountain this mountain you are already defeated why why are you speaking from that why are you speaking from this level now it's because you've pondered over it you've analyzed it you've digested it the word has now dwelt it within your spirit, then you now have a full revelation of what really it's about. That's why by the time you say, Greater is he than the, the, the greater is he in me than the one that is in the world. Someone may be shocked. Why is this person shouting? He's making noise. You don't know what he knows within you. Do you be, when you read greater is he that the one is you, it, you think it's like a song a b c d e f g but for him he's got a revelation of it that's why it is possible for a man by the name of paul to say go in the name of jesus and a demon is going to flee yet a people who are known as the sons of Sceva are going to say go in the name of jesus but the demon is not even going to respond both of them are saying things, but one is saying things out of what he meditated within him, out of what he allowed to dwell within him, out of what he understood. And afterwards, he declares, not merely making statements. Praise be to God. Why do you think immediately Moses dies? God, do you know what he does? He goes, Joshua, Joshua, come, come, come. He says, Lord, what's okay? Now that Moses is dying, go. You are going to conquer the cities. Go. You are going to do this. Then he says, be strong and courageous. Then he tells him, this book of the law should not be departed from your mouth. He says, but you shall meditate on it. Meditate on it. Eat it. Eat it. Let it be part of you. Let it become you. He says, then your way shall be prosperous and you'll have a good success. He told him to meditate first. Glory to God. And so, every time we put our, ourselves in a position where we get to meditate and allow the word of God, whatever is true, to dwell within us, we are building ourselves within us. Now, this sounds very, very strange and it sounds very, very, you know, strange because you don't really get to see that you are built. But you see, there are certain things, even in the natural, we cannot really see them, but we know something has happened. Look at wind. 
You've never prayed, Lord, may I see manifestation of the wind? What does it look like? No. But you know that there is wind. You even believe it. Ah, there is wind here. But you've never seen it. In the same way, when a believer gets to meditate, there are certain things that happen within their spirit that build them to become better and position them for divine exploits. Glory to God. Somebody say meditation. Another way I would describe it is a magnet. If you've ever studied magnetism, you understand that when there's a magnet, there's something that is called a magnetic field. A magnetic field. And every time a certain object is brought before a magnet, as long as it is within the magnetic field, it is going to experience the properties of that magnet. And what are the properties of that uh, of a magnet? It's got it's got it's got properties of attraction. It's got properties of repulsion, and it's also got properties of direction. Now imagine the spiritual force field you get to produce around you when you meditate. Ah. Imagine the spiritual force field that gets to be made when you meditate. What does that mean? Remember, if a magnet has got a property of attraction, don't you think when you meditate on the right thing and when you confess, you attract things? <laughs> don't you think when you meditate on the right things and when you confess, just as a magnet has a property of repulsion, there are certain things you can repel in your life. Why do you think the Bible says, and the enemy will not come near your dwelling? He wants to come near your dwelling, but why is he failing to come? Why? Repulsion. Ah. Hallelujah. There's a force field that you can create. And so, for God to actually allow you to experience a certain manifestation in your life, He wants to condition the right things first. He wants to condition your meditation. He wants you to change the way you think. He wants you to change the way you talk. He wants you to change how you get to do things. Glory to God. Alright. So, Allow me to now explain the great necessities. That was an introduction. Allow me now to explain the great necessities and show you how by virtue of us having a good and careful meditation, we will attract certain things. Alright, so what do we produce? When, you, when we have a healthy meditation. What do we produce? Number one, hope. Are we, are we okay here? Yeah, I want to say something. Number one, hope. So we produce hope every time we allow healthy meditation. Now what does hope demand? Hope demands 
that we stay positive. Hope demands that we stay positive regardless of what goes around us. I know in such times like this, we are believers that get to trust in God's word. We are believers that get to see things here and there. But here you are as a child of God. What do you get to do when you face an adverse situation? Do you remain hopeful? Or does your thought line change? Some of us right now, you've, 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 you've resumed school and for many of you, you'll find that it's like your academic year has been, you know, squeezed and you have so many things to do. Some of you are behind, you need to catch up. But the question is, how are you responding to that? You see, remember, hope demands that you remain positive. In a case where now exams are coming soon, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, no, this is not fair. In fact, who are we going to blame? Are we going to blame the school? Of course, what we experience right now is an adverse situation which neither of us expected. But the question is, are we going to remain positive? Are we going to remain positive? I remember the first time I I started work some years ago. It was very interesting. I I reached the office and ish, I, I really don't know how I had really started work, but when I reached the office, it seemed like the man wanted to test me. He gave me a computer that was not connected like nothing was connected I was, there was just a monitor there was just you know the keyboard is somewhere else the mouse is somewhere else and the first test he gave me is eh, connect that since you want you want to come and work hmm. and i thought to myself wow i knew how to press the computer but i never knew how to connect the cables I, I tried, I tried, I failed until I asked someone, said, no, please help me. After some time, he called me to his office and gave me a certain assignment. He says, go and prepare inventory schedules, create inventory accounts, etc., etc. I know I studied accounts, but... The assignment he gave me seemed to have passed me here and there. I said, how am I going to handle this? I said, how am I going to make? He says, oh, there's a system there in the computer known as Pastel Vision 12. Use it. I remember in my textbook there was no Pastel Vision 12. So how really am I going to handle this? Honestly, the first day of work, I really wanted to give up. I really wanted to run away. I wanted to say, you know what? I've gone. I'll go somewhere else. I'll do something else. I, it, it was so challenging. I felt it. But guess what? I told myself, you know what? 
If someone once learned it, I can learn it too. I decided to remain positive. I said, I'm going to go for it. Today we will learn how to connect a computer. He gave me another assignment which I didn't know. Said, Today we will learn how to create inventory. He told me now prepare accounts in, in, in Excel. I did not know. But guess what I told myself? Today I will learn. I remained positive despite having challenging situations. Now, remember I said how you meditate will bring forth a certain environment in your life. And one of the things that are necessary to remain in your life is hope. One of the things that are necessary to remain in your life is hope. You need to stay positive no matter how hard things get. The Bible shows us of a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a great man of God whom the Bible reveals had actually prepared a way for the Lord Jesus. But it's very interesting what John the Baptist did. In Luke chapter number 7, verse 19, the Bible shows us John the Baptist, whom had baptized the Lord Jesus Christ, sent a message. Look at this. It says, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the, one, are you the coming one, or do we look for another one? I'm very, very concerned with this question that John the Baptist asks. He asks and sends two of his disciples to Jesus. By this time, he's in prison. You know what prison does? Sometimes it's... Yeah, that's what hard times do as well. John the Baptist, a man who baptized the Lord Jesus Christ, who saw the Holy Spirit come as a dove and who also heard this is my son who I'm pleased with sent a question to Jesus Christ and said and said are you the one or maybe we should look for another one mm. guys even though things are hard at this time perhaps he received information in prison that your head is about to be cut off yeah he was in prison at this time so he sent his disciples and said, are you the one? But what's very strange is that, look, please read, please show us John chapter number 1 verse 29. This is what's very strange. Look at what, this is when John, before John was even arrested. The Bible says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ah, Brother John, you saw Jesus immediately without any introduction. You recognized that this is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. Yet when you've been put in prison, you send a message and say, are you the one? Or should we look for another one? That is the problem when you do not stay positive and when you lose hope you begin to withdraw from the word. You begin to withdraw from what God says. And when you begin to withdraw, your meditation changes. And that also changes your manifestation. John doubted. Now, as if that's not enough, look at 
Luke chapter number 1 verse 39. Luke chapter number 1 verse 39. This is even before John was born. I want to show you something. Luke 1 verse 39. 39 please. This is before John actually was born. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. Next verse. And entered the house of Zachariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was the mother of John and at this time she was pregnant. Now listen what happened after Mary greeted Elizabeth. Yeah, next verse. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb. Who is that baby? John. Leaped in the womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Next verse. And she spoke out loud with a voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Yes. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Listen to this. <laughs> Even before John was born, he recognized Jesus while he was in Mary's womb. How? He kicked. He kicked Elizabeth in the womb. Boom! That's the Son of God. That's the Son of God. Baby, serious discernment levels. <laughs> but the man grows up. He forgot that he kicked, he, kicked the, he kicked Elizabeth. He forgot that at one point he actually saw Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God. Yet he asks a question. Are you the one? Or we should wait for another one? Or we should look for another one? Saints of God, that's how dangerous doubt is. That's how dangerous being hopeless is. There are times we'll be pushed to certain limits. There are times we'll be pushed to certain circumstances. But regardless of being pushed to those circumstances, are we going to remain hopeful or are we going to doubt and say like John, should I look for another thing to do? Ah, no, I've, 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 I've tried so much, I've prayed. I've prayed for that cousin of mine to get born again. The more I pray, it seems like he's not changing. He's getting worse and worse. Maybe I should just leave him. You've lost hope. But hope is a great necessity for us to keep great manifestations. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2 and verse 18. Look at this. The Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Okay, listen to this. Who said it is not good? Is it Adam? Who said it? It was God. He says it is not good that a man needs to be alone. 
Then God himself, God himself said what? I will make him a helper. I will give him a helper. But now look at what the next verse says. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, that's very interesting. God is talking about marriage. He's saying, I'm going to bring a wife for Adam. I'm going to make a wife for Adam. Then the next verse, the Bible says, out of the ground, he brings animals. And then not only does he bring animals, Adam needs a wife, but he brings animals to Adam and says, name these animals. <laughs> Giraffe. What time will you find a wife? Giraffe. Shani. All the birds of the air, all the beasts of the field, he brings them to Adam and says, name them. The next verse. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. Now listen. But for Adam, there was no helper found. But for Adam, there was no helper found compared to him. So even when he was given the names, he was, he was making sure. Ah, is there a wife here? Zero. After naming every animal, no wifey for him. Zero. But guess what? Didn't the Lord speak? Didn't the Lord say, I will make a helpmate for him? But we see a very interesting conjunction in as much as God had spoken. The, word, the Bible says, but... For Adam, there was no helper. What is, what, what is, why is but used? But is used in contrast of a certain statement that is actually made. I will make him a helper. Then but comes in. There was no helper found for him. Sometimes we are in situations like Adam where it is revealed in the word of how prosperous we're going to be. It's revealed in the word how great we are. Sometimes we've received prophecies. You're going to get that job. You're going to go high in life. Things are going to open up for you. But there's a but sometimes that is there. There's a conjunction. That speaks out the reality of things for you. A job is coming to you. But she has no job. <laughs> this one is coming for you. But nothing. What do we do in life when we have received the words of life, yet there is a conjunction called but that is contrasting what is spoken about us? Are we going to give up or are we going to remain positive and hopeful that that thing is going to happen for us? Saints of God, remember I said but is simply a conjunction. And every time we hang on, I call them in the days of but. If we hang on in the seasons and the days of but, God will change this three-letter word and replace it 
with another three-letter word. And this three-letter word is called and. It is another conjunction. But this one is a conjunction that deals with additions. Mary brought oranges and mangoes and it has to do with additions. Okay, next verse. And, <laughs> God changes. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He's not done. And he slept. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not done with you, Adam. And he took one of his ribs. Relax, relax, Adam. And closed up the flesh in its place. Hey, hey, hey. This time there are no bats. Because the Lord is working. The next verse. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Guess what? And he brought her to the man. <laughs> Listen. And Adam said, now it's time for Adam to talk. This is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. Why? Because he stood firm in the days of birth. When he was introduced to the days of ants, my goodness, additions were added and added and added. Some of you are waiting for certain things in your life. It seems like you're in the days of but where your situation is contrasting what God has spoken about you. If you can just hang on, if you can just stay positive, don't worry, he is coming. Hey, don't worry, that job is coming. Don't worry. That's why we need to be we need to be hopeful. And how do we remain hopeful? By meditating on what God has spoken. God said, I will make a suitable wife. That's why Adam at any point did not even say, God, what's happening, Lord? Creation incomplete. Nothing. He didn't say that. Why are you so hopeless in the days of birth? Why are you hopeless in the moments when things have not yet come? When the manifestation has not yet come? Ask your neighbor, why are you worried? Why are you worried? You're not asking them. Ask them, why are you worried? Some people are so worried, they can't even eat. Is Adam going to come? Hey, when is Habi going to come? Eh? And so now they've even begun to say, eh, perhaps Adam is too sleeping. And you say, Lord, wake up my Adam. Wake him up, he's still in the deep sleep. Okay, Lord, let me not choose you. Adam, wherever you are. Hear the voice of your wife to be. Wake up and locate me. Worried, worried. Worried. Isn't it God who said it is not good for man to be alone? This means God is interested in your marriage. Yes, the consumer will get it. <laughs> He's interested in your marriage. But why are you so worried? 
the Bible tells us and shows us if we can just hold on and remain hopeful that business is going to grow. If we can just be hopeful and hold on, there's going to be an opening for my education. If we can just be hopeful and just hold on, yes, that application is going to be accepted. Because when God starts working, it's and, 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 and. I said, very good. Because you have stayed strong. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, be hopeful. So, when hope is absent, there are certain traits that are going to be present. Number one, you'll be hopeless. And number two, you're going to doubt. And those already, some of you did not know, things like doubt and worry. Worry is a negative meditation. Why do you think Jesus was forbidding people to worry? Of course, yes, the reality of their life is that they did not have anything. But he said, if what, what, what will worry help you? It says, what will it add to your hair? In fact, you will only lose your hair. He says, what will it add? In short, when you have that negative aspect of doubt, when you have that negative aspect of worry, nothing is going to change. So what should you do? Maintain hope. Be positive. Why? It's a necessary ingredient for you to experience certain manifestations. Some of you worry too much. Anything that happens, you are worried. Someone just tells you, Hi, guy, I've got news for you. Ah, Ah, I just want to tell you that uh, your results are out and you've passed. Anything, someone tells you, can I talk to you? What? What does this person want to tell me? Nozemia. Some of you now know the art of reading messages before opening them on WhatsApp. Someone texts at you, you've even read the whole message. I'm not going to open this one. Hallelujah. Now become a skill. I don't know some of you, I don't know if you first switch off your data, open it first, <laughs> then close it. That's why you switch on your data. The message is still unread. What are, the, what are your worries of life? What are the things in your life that seem to be fighting your hope? Is it your education? Have you waited so long to be in school? Have you waited so long for funding, for school fees? It doesn't matter, no matter how long it's taken. There's only one responsibility that God is giving you. Maintain that hope. Maintain it. That's why in the book of Leviticus, the Bible says, 
fire came down from heaven to start burning up the altar. But the priests were taught, keep that fire burning. God is the one that starts hope in your life. But you need to keep that hope. How are you going to keep that hope? Keep meditating. Keep saying, ah, I trust in you. Lift his name on nations in every situation. I will trust in Jesus for he is Lord of all. What are you doing? You are building your hope. Why do you think the Bible says sing to yourselves in Psalms? What are Psalms for? Sing to yourselves in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make melodies in your hearts unto the Lord. If in the book of Psalms you've not found a scripture that uh, perhaps we will help you in your situation, make a melody. Six of June, six of June. Something will happen on 6th of June. Yeah. Hallelujah. Make a melody. You become more hopeful. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Because hope is a necessary ingredient. Praise be to God. Number two, faith. Faith is a necessary ingredient. Remember, I'm showing you aspects of meditation. If you don't have hope, there are certain things you will not see in life. Because minus hope, you might be hopeless and you might doubt certain things. And the Bible actually shows us in James that every person that doubts should not expect to receive from the Lord. Which shows you that doubt is a very negative kind of meditation, which is so dangerous. So sometimes test yourself. Look at what's around you. Are you seeing any worry? Are you seeing any fear? Deal with it. Glory to God. So number two, faith. 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 Faith is a necessary ingredient to see great manifestations. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. It is impossible. Now, I want to show you why faith is very, very necessary. Let's look at the, uh, the Bible in Matthew chapter number 10. Verse 1. Matthew chapter number 10 and verse 1. I want to show you something. The Bible says, And when he had called his twelve disciples, this is Jesus, to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. To cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses, and to all kinds of diseases. Now look at this. The Bible says he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal what? All kinds. Do you understand what all kinds of, sick, of sicknesses mean? Do you also understand what the Bible says? All kinds of diseases. And the Bible shows this is the power that Jesus gave to his twelve disciples. How many? Twelve. So even Judas had it. Ah, guess what? Even Thomas had it. Thomas, one Thomas, had power. Listen, he had power over all unclean spirits. Thomas, 
the power that Thomas received, it didn't matter whether a witch was level 5, level 8, level 10. Him, he just knew by the power that Jesus has given him. He can say, please, go away. And that witch had to listen. Jesus spoke to them, he says, Behold, I give unto you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome not some of the powers. He says, all the powers of the enemies, everything, whether in Satanism they call this one the witch, whether they call them princess level one, queen, king, it doesn't matter. The Bible says they were given power over all, all, all. Thomas, Bartholomew, Judas. He walked in power. I'm sure if you had the service, you would say power. and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and to heal all kinds of diseases so it didn't matter whether it's raising the dead whether if it's uh, asthma it was all kinds of sicknesses but what's very strange is that when we look at Matthew chapter number 17 verse 15 the Bible shows us how the men who had power did something uh, give us the correct version. So, a man had come to Jesus Christ and he was begging. And this is what he says. Lord, have mercy on my son for he is an epileptic and suffers severely for he often falls into fire and often into water. Next verse. So, I brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Judas, where are you? Bartholomew, Thomas. Ah, I'm, 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 I'm really concerned here. Jesus in chapter 10 gave them power to heal all, all, all kinds of diseases. Oh, meaning they had it. They had it. But now the biggest question is, why? Why did they fail to cure a boy who had a little spirit? Why did they fail? Next verse. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, what? Faithless generation and perverse. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Uh-huh. And Jesus did what? Rebuked the demon. Remember, the man said, my child is epileptic. But guess what? Jesus was rebuking a demon. But that's a story for another day. And it came out of him, and the child was what? Cured. From that very hour. Uh-huh. Then the disciples, men of power, came to Jesus privately, not in public, privately, and said, why could we not cast it out? Teacher, why could we not cast it out? How is it that we couldn't manage to chase away the demon? You gave us power. We have power over everything. We have power to heal all manner of diseases. The next verse. 
So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Heish. That's that serious. They were demanding for a manifestation, but they did not have an ingredient that would give them that manifestation. What was that ingredient? Faith. There are many times we want certain manifestations in our lives, but we do not have these ingredients. We do not maintain these ingredients. We do not maintain our faith. By the way, the first time Jesus gave them power, they went into cities and guess what? They were casting out demons. But how is it that in chapter 17 they failed? How? How is it that? Whatever we give, or rather whatever we receive to God, we have to ensure we maintain. If it's faith, the Bible says we've been given a measure of faith. What do we need to do? Maintain that faith. We know that circumstances will come here and do all sorts of things to us. Remember I talked about a magnet, a magnet which has a force field. But there is something in magnetism called demagnetization. This is where you begin to knock a magnet. And the more you knock the magnet, it loses its, 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 its effectiveness. It's demagnetized. Sometimes, these necessary virtues, if we are not careful with the knocks of life, you might withdraw from faith and begin to start practicing unbelief. And here you are, you begin to say, no, but I prayed, but I prayed. Jesus says, you prayed, yes, but you didn't have faith. That's why the Bible says what? Faith without what? Works is what? But guess what? Works without faith is neither alive. God. They had no faith. They had unbelief and they were not seeing a certain manifestation in their lives. I've got a big problem with that. Could it be a problem that we are facing? Why is it that in your dreams you keep dreaming of praying for people who can stand on a wheel, who, who can stand from a wheelchair, but when you come to life, my head chappy. In the dream, you're the powerful evangelist. People are in the streets and you're busy, take, rise up, walk, 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 walk. When you wake up, in fact, you even wake up with a headache. And they ask you, please pray for me. Then you start asking them funny, funny questions. You didn't even do medicine. Did you drink coffee, no? Did you drink what? Someone said, pray for me. Non-belief. Second Peter chapter number one, verse three. I want to show you something. Second Peter one, verse three. Oh, glory. 
Look at this. It says, as his divine power has given, given what? Us. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Look at this. The scripture is saying, by his divine power, he has given us what? Some things? He has given us all things that what? That pertain to life and godliness. Hmm. There's, maybe there's something that we're not reading properly. It says, by his divine power, he has given us Notice it's, it's not saying he will give us. It's saying by his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Does health pertain to life? Yes. Does your success pertain to life? Yes. But how is it that someone who has been given all things is living like someone who has nothing? <laughs> How is it that someone who has been given all things is living like someone who has nothing? It's the same question. How is it that someone who has been given all power to cast out demons is failing to cast out? There's a certain ingredient that is missing to ensure there's manifestation. And what is that ingredient? Faith. Why do you think the Bible says the just shall live by faith? That is where your advantage is. Why do you think the Bible says we, lead, we walk by faith, not by sight? That is where your advantage is. Yet the Bible tells you, you've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Meaning everything also necessary for you to walk in a holy life, holy life has been given to you. Why are you saying, oh no, bear with me, I'm a work in progress. These things, we, we don't change fast, fast. Yeah, I can, I can pray then sip a bit. But guess what, I am cha changing. Why is it a struggle when you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Why is it that the Bible says you should reign in life, but it seems like there is nothing in life, in your life, that looks like reigning? There is a certain ingredient that you have to maintain. There is a great necessity you have to maintain, and this virtue is known as faith. And how does this faith come? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. There are times in life, today faith is going to give you certain great results. But the same faith gave you great results. You need it again tomorrow. You need it again tomorrow. I remember a time, I always... I always share with you of how, by faith, I got healed of the condition that I had when I was very young. But I've rarely shared with you that there was a time after getting healed, got healed by faith. Five years later, guess what? The same symptoms that I saw 
started appearing. And I said, no, 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 no. What is this? Found myself coughing unusually. I said, ah, no, this is not right. I dealt with this. I dealt with this. But guess what? It was exposing my faith levels. So what did I do? I got to realize the same way I received my healing by faith. I need to maintain it by faith. So what do I need to do? Build my faith. So I started building my faith. I am the elect of God. My body is the temple of God. It is no lodging place for sickness. In me, I have life. I have it in abundance. So when I built my faith, I again used it. I said, oh, you came back after a while. Sickness, go away. And guess what? It went. In the same way, the same way you received that miracle by faith. Another time you will need it again. The same way you moved that mountain by faith. You will need that faith again for other mountains ahead of you. The mountain may look different, but guess what? It's still a mountain. Jesus did not tell you you are going to move a certain kind of mountain. He told you, you are going to move all mountains. Mountains may look different. But if you can maintain your faith, it doesn't matter how that mountain looks like, you're going to move it. It's a powerful ingredient that you need. Hallelujah. Lastly, Lastly, you need love. Lastly, you need love. But even before I come to love, have you noticed how this scripture talked about by his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I know sometimes what many people have, they will say, but I have faith. But you also have to understand that faith rests on something. When we go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 verse 5, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5, sorry. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5. The Bible says that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, faith always rests on something for it to work. Sometimes we have faith, but we place our faith on the wrong things. Remember, the Bible says it's by his divine power that he's given us what? All things. So, if it's by his divine power, where should we place our faith? On his power. The Bible shows us we should not place our faith in the wisdom of men, as many do. What's the wisdom of men? No, just come to reality. Don't Don't be so superstitious. 
Who says faith is being superstitious? It's not. And so your belief comes to the wisdom of men. And that's why there are no results. Anyway, number three, love. Love is a virtue that we need to maintain. It's a powerful ingredient that we really need to have. Of course, this is something that is shed abroad our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And it affects how we act. It affects how we talk. It affects how we do things. When the love of God is functioning in somebody's life, there is this place of advantage that you actually reach. Imagine someone today insults you from nowhere and tells you you are a failure, you'll never make it in life, and you simply respond to them, God bless you. Love is a weapon. How is it a weapon? Their words will not even affect you. It bounces back. Yet you respond to them and say, God bless you. The Lord loves you. And you'll be so shocked. You respond in that way. Somehow will melt their heart. I say, hey, this guy. Have you observed how sometimes people get offended when they want to argue with you and then you're quiet? Hey, you, 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 shan, shan. And then you're quiet. Hey, I'm talking to you. Hey, I'm talking to you. They even get more offended. Then you just say, God bless you. I say, ah, look at this. But then, if you don't have love, somebody insults you. My goodness. We'll see it on TV. Life with Church Asha found in a bro fighting. He will conduct and pass a change. Hey, you, need to, you really need to be careful in some of these buses that you go to. It's not everyone. Not, some people know you, they just don't greet you. They are just there in the back seat. Hello, contact. I know you're the only one, the Asha. Contact and pass a change. What's happening to you? Who is your motto? You can't even speak in love. I don't know why believers, we know. It's like we don't function in love. We want to threaten. We want to threaten. Oh, who say you? Before the sun goes down, if I be an usher, not a prophet, <laughs> if I be an usher, the thunder that will strike you is getting prepared. We failing to function in the love of God. Failing to speak love. Someone insults you today, mama, 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 mama. You even say, hey, wanipeza lelo. Today you will know me. Today you will know me. And you'll be so shocked. And you insult, insult, insult. But remember, you forget something. For God to work, he needs a conducive environment. But minus love, the environment is not conducive. 
everything to function very well needs a conducive environment. Pigs who want to enjoy where there's mud. When it's dry, they'll be depressed. Give them mud. Yes! They will swim around, they will move around. That's what they want. Why? That's their environment. Hallelujah. There are certain people, their environment, perhaps with regards to studying, is where there is noise. You will not find them in the library. Them, they will even go near the bank. There is noise. And I don't know how for them. It's very strange. But others want a silent place. In the same way, for God to work, there is a conducive environment that he needs. And what's that environment? Love. So where there is no love, you are short-circuiting the power of God. You are short-circuiting the power of God. That's why it must be present. That's why he gave it to you. He shed it upon your life. Why? So that it should be present. So that there is a certain manifestation. He knows if you have offense, you can't, you can't love when you're offended. You can't love. You can't forgive. And that's why you even end up calling people, you, you are worse than the devil. You, you, in fact, you are devil junior. How do you call someone devil junior? May the worst happen to you. I once saw a, a, a very interesting clip. Someone was praying. And hey, 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 the prayer was serious. He says, if you are not uh, interested in my laughter, what are you in this world for? And he said, begin to kill yourself. How do you begin to make such a prayer? And it's so serious. If you are not interested in my laughter, why are you in this world? Begin to kill yourself. Begin to kill yourself. You go, you go all the way to the mountain. Risk your life where there are even snakes that side. So that you can make a prayer so that someone can kill themselves. Now, with you praying out of hurt, you praying out of negative emotion. What do you think will happen in your life when there's still no conducive environment? There's no love. So how can love show up? You didn't miss, you missed that one. There is no love. So how can love show up? Why? God is love. And so God who is love identifies himself and that's where he will dwell. How do you expect love to show up? You're offended. How do you expect love to show up? You're backbiting. How do you expect love to show up? There is no love within you whatsoever. Sometimes we just need to make a prayer and say, Lord, may the love of God fill me. I'll be honest with you. Whether we like it or not, there are people that will be there just to offend us. 
And whether you like it or not, not everyone will love you. Sometimes people will labor and just want to provoke you. Ah, look at his head. Samuel. You have a head like that. Ah, how do you want him to have a head? That's why I'm very, very worried about some of these pages on Facebook. It's because they are training you not to walk in love. I'm very shocked. You're a believer. Someone has fallen down and the way you are laughing like heaven has rewarded you with hundred cars. Someone has fallen down. Yeah, look at the wig. It's cut out just that side. Someone has been arrested or is facing a difficult situation. You are finding pleasure. Did you see that news? They've caught that guy. Hmm? They caught him. And you're a believer. And then we're wondering, you're not sharing posters, you're sharing those stories. Mm. <laughs> you just share. As in when it's, I don't know, it's like, you even feel itchy just to share. I need to share this. Hey, where's my phone? Just to share. Uh, 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 this guy, Wagwila. Caption, Wagwila. And people will be wondering. That's why I tell believers, let's, let's be very cautious what we share. Why am I saying let's be cautious why we, what we share? Because what we share will either allow people to avoid us or come to us. Today, if you share something and you say, please, do not kill yourself. Talk to somebody. I'm here for you. Inbox me if you can. I'm telling you, one day someone who is in such a situation is going to see that post. And guess what? Why do you think they are going to text you? They've, they've felt your love communicated through words. You've attracted them. And you can save a life. Imagine if you go to heaven, you are happy. Now, this is just a sad reality. Imagine if you go to heaven and you are happy. Then you hear someone from hell shouting, Hi, you are enjoying in heaven. I'm here because you did not preach to me. How do you feel? Someone is going, You did not share the word of God to me. If I had known, if you had shared that post, I would have come to church. You just shared it on your status, where they are your friends, your church friends. I said, yeah, the hype. The love of God is a powerful and very important virtue that we need to practice. Because it's a conducive environment that allows God to work in our lives. It's a conducive environment, powerful environment. And that's why John 14 and this. John 14 and verse 21 says this. It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he that loves me. So you see, love 
is reflected in how we behave and how we act. And how we act is a reflection as to whether we love God or not. The Bible says, he who keeps my commandments, it is he who loves me. And the Bible says, and he who loves me, the same person who keeps what? Commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So if you want to see a manifestation, a great manifestation of God, you need to walk in love. You need to walk in love. Oh, manifest your power, manifest your power. Stop killing people. Walk in love. Allow love to dwell within you. Love is so powerful and is demonstrated in the Lord Jesus Christ such that he asks for water while he's on the cross and the Bible says they give him vinegar. Jesus does not declare, how can you give me, the Son of God, vinegar? You will roast in hell. No, no, he didn't say that. He just laid there on the cross. And I believed while he was given vinegar, he says, today I am dying for you. I'm dying for you. Give me water, I ask for more water. They stab him. And he loses the very little water that he has. But Jesus still says, I'm going to still hang here for you. I'm doing it for you. And I'm not letting go until it is finished. Jesus finds sinners by his side and expresses love. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. How are we demonstrating love in such times? I know we've reached a month, yeah, it's October, and people say uh, temperatures rising, tempers rising. But that should not be the case for us. We ought to walk in love. And saints, these are the three ingredients that are necessary for us. These are the three ingredients that are necessary for us to see a great manifestation. Let's rise to our feet.